And now, rate that album, season three, with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming, two guys who know stuff. Hi, and welcome to Rate That Album, the back and forth album review with myself, Paul Muadib, with my wonderful friend, Joe Fremming. Joe, how are you doing, sir? Well... I feel like a right-wing pigeon from outer space, Paul. <laughs> yes, we are going to do the 1985 classic, The Dead Milkman's Big Lizard in My Backyard. But before we get to that, Joe, there's a few things I want to discuss because we are on, like, there's just a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> there it on, is. So. <laughs> um, so real quick, I want to bring up right in the beginning, this album... Wow, apparently aliens landed in behind me. Um, th- this album is at a time like I was watching Jackass, like season one Jackass because I couldn't fall asleep. And they have a new warning on there. Like this show is shown in its original um, original entirety um, with outdated social norms. Um, this album came out in 1985 with some really outdated social norms. So we'll be discussing that. Um, so there's going to be, you know, things in here that maybe some people don't like, but I'd encourage you to listen to it anyway. So, uh, because it's a wonderful satire album, but Joe, first of all, three things I want to bring up. First one is the Batman. You did the Joe down on it. I recently saw it. We didn't get a chance to talk. So I'm like on a scale of one to 10, what would you give the Batman? Seven. That's what I gave it. Thank you. That's yeah, exactly what was, I gave it. You know, it's uh, I, for me, the Nolan movies were like, that's top. Those were like movies that just happened to have Batman in them. Uh, mm-hmm. This was very much better than the Burton and Schumacher movies, but not, I don't know. It felt, it, the problem with this, and there was also the problem with Joker, and I brought this up in the Joe down. Now, they wear their influences on their sleeves. So Joker mm-hmm. was very much a Martin Scorsese, taxi driver, king of comedy uh, influence. And the Batman was wearing the David Fincher. And it got distracting for me. Yes. A lot. A lot. Yes. So for me, and I don't want to give too much away, um, the things I didn't like, I did not like the score. Like, I didn't realize how much a score either puts me in or takes me out of a movie. Um, I didn't like the score. So when the score was going on, uh, you know, and I was thinking about it. Like, it's the most minimalist, like, you could have paid me 500 bucks and I could have came up with that score. Minimalist Uh, isn't even bad. It's just when it's done well. Right. And what was it? Like, somebody pointed it out and I can't get it out of my head. It's a... it's it's eerily close to the imperial march yes yes <laughs> except it's like really slowed down and it's really slowed slightly. down it's just bong 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 yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Bum, bum. and the nirvana song didn't help either right? no 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 it no, just no. felt out of place yeah I yeah. mean, I mean, they should just use the Paul Anka cover of Smells Like Teen <laughs> As you brought up in the Joe down. Um, yeah, no, I, so the score brought it down. Um, I The three-hour runtime, I'm a, I'm not opposed to movies being three. I think movies are going to start moving that way with the advent of people binging shows, you know, for two, maybe, three maybe, hours at a time. I don't that? like this. I don't like the trend of three-hour movies. Um, when we were growing up, three-hour movies were that length and – 
normally it's because they were uh, considered masterpieces. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will. And so you had like the VHS was was like the double box, and the only movies I really remember getting that was The Godfather yep. and Schindler's List. <laughs> uh, yeah, yep. the Batman is not those. No, it's not, and like. I hate it for me because, like, I used to be able to hold my bladder through a movie. I can't anymore. I'm fucking no, 40. I had, to take, I had to take two piss breaks during Yeah, I, I was able to limit to one. I was able to limit to one. But, you know, so I didn't like that. But I do get it, and I'm not opposed to it. Like, I do think there's more there. But what I felt was almost like kind of, you know, again, as you said, it wore David Fincher on his sleeve. It really there were scenes where I was like, man, this is holding a little too long. You know, there's a lot of things where I was like, man, you could have cut that down to two and a half hours and not lost anything. Yeah. Uh, I took two bathroom breaks. I came back and I didn't miss anything. I, I even asked Joe Brown. He was like, you're, you're fine. He even said that at one point in the review. Yeah. And here's the thing for theatrical releases, like keep it to a tight hour and a half. I yeah. get that. I get the. I get the impulse they're doing is because more people are binging. The difference is people binge at home, right? To a theater. So, like, would I have loved to? If so, this world of the Batman that Matt Reeves created, would I have loved to see like an eight-hour version as a miniseries on HBO Max? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I don't want to sit three hours in a movie theater for a superhero movie. I get impatient in a movie theater anyway. I hate going to movies. I've, I've hit that age. I just, it's not fun for me. And especially when it's three hours, I, I go in the afternoon and then I get out of the theater and it's dark and it's just, ugh, no, I can't do it anymore. It's. I don't it mind it. I personally, me. I don't mind it because I, I do it so infrequently. So when I do do it, it is a nice treat um, to be able to go in and, you know, see a movie that way. But yeah, I mean, so I guess, you know, when all these people are giving it tens and nines and like everyone was over, you know, losing their shit over this movie, I was like, this is, it's, it was good. It was, it was good. Um, I am, I mean, they did okay two more to make it a trilogy. So I am looking forward to how they build that. Mm-hmm. I really hope that they don't jump right to the Joker in the second one. Right. Um, I hope I, they do Court of Owls, honestly. Yeah, Court of Owls or um, Hush. I would love to see, or yeah. Clayface. Like, because this was a film noir. Clayface would be an awesome um, take, you know, for that detective side. Like, you know, where is he? Like, Clayface is pretending to be this, but, you know, it would be really, really good, I think, in this film noir detective world. Yeah. Clayface would be a great villain to introduce. And especially, and it's, this is still grounded. Uh, this is another thing I've been wondering, because this is like grounded. It's, a little more fantastical than the Nolan movies, but not by much. Not by much. Not by much. There's no, like, super pop. Uh, does DC have any... Are they going to try to put this into the DCEU with, like, the, the Flash movie and, you know, Aquaman? Because it totally, totally does not even fit. And this is where I think DC should just stop trying to do that. This is I'm with you on that. I am I am completely out of the DCEU. Like I I I've given up. It's not worth it. It's they fucked it up and it's well, on them. Mr. Snyder fucked. Well, yeah, Mr. Snyder. But they, you know, I understand they rushed, that, it. They rushed it. But I yes. mean, the, when the best thing, 
Wait, so this has been going on, what, Man of Steel's what? Oh, God. 2014, 2012? 20, 2012, I think. So you're going on a decade now. And 2013, have, 2013. Yeah, you're going on a decade. You're going on a decade, and the only good one, good things that came out of it so far is one Wonder Woman movie and the Peacemaker show. Yeah, that's it. And I didn't mind uh, the, the, the the new Suicide Squad, but it was just, it wasn't anything special. Right. But was Peacemaker just, but was really good. Peacemaker was really good, but yeah, it was better. Okay, so... We've done enough movie talk for that. Now I want to move in because this one really affected me. Um, as you know, people may know from you know the um, cast that movie, we casted quite a few wrestling things. Um, Scott Hall dying fucked me up more than I thought it was going to, man. <laughs> yeah, Razor Ramon. Yeah, yeah he's seen. And the thing is, like, I didn't know much about him until I started watching like old. And like everybody's like, he was like one of the nicest guys, which I would never have gotten based on mm-hmm. his. Uh, you know persona in, in the ring but yeah that was a that was a rough blow it was um so about him being the nicest guy so um a couple of things there um because i do want to be realistic in it um yeah he went on a show he went on jerry springer like before jerry springer was jerry springer and they had these um children living with hiv and aids and Razor Ramon was there, you know, like they're giving kids like their last wish or whatever. And um, so Razor Ramon was there and uh, he had his um, icy title belt. And, you know, in, in, in between takes or, you know, in between, you know, like filming and not filming, he's like, hey, I'm going to give this kid my belt and I'm going to I'm going to leave. And Jerry was like, no, no, we want to have it on TV. And Razor was like, I don't want to do that. And like Jerry kind of forced him to do it. And he always felt like that would cheapen what he did for the kid. So there is a story where Razor Ramon refused to sign this kid's this dying kid's birthday card because there was all these cameras around and all these people were doing it and the kid wasn't there. And he's like, I'd rather go see the kid. So people like take that story and like twisted, like, Oh my God, what an asshole he was. And he was like, no, it was a card. The kid wasn't there. He's like, I wasn't feeling the greatest either. And he goes, I I was dealing with some food poisoning, but he goes, my whole thing was I wanted to go see the kid. I wanted to go hug this kid. I didn't want to, um, just sign this card and have the cameras on me and be like, oh, look at look at me. Scott Hall's a wonderful dude, you know. Yeah. So there is that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but he also had his darker moments. Although was... I did I did enjoy uh the whatever that documentary is where they're talking about the plane ride from hell. And he's <sighs> you know, he hell, you know, he's raising hell, but then he just passes the fuck out for twelve hours. <laughs> he said he said that Kurt Henning gave him he's like Kurt him and slipped him an H. He's like, I know Kurt Henning slipped me an H. Yeah, that's but... one of those things where like, you know, I kind of knew Ric Flair was, you know, a little sketchy, but it's like, no, don't make Razor Ramon and it's like, oh thank God he just passed out for <laughs> after now... tearing up like part of the cabin. But <laughs> he, at least he wasn't flashing his dong at some poor woman. <laughs> no, 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 here's here's a really because you're talking about the dark side of the ring, the vice story, yeah, right? Yeah. So here's something really interesting about that. And I heard other interviews after that. What is interesting is people have said, well, they brought up this particular plane ride, but the stories you're getting are from like four different plane rides. <laughs> yeah. Well, people have to remember these guys were the height of wrestling. They mm-hmm. were all fucked up. Yes. Every single one of them. Yep. Yeah. That, that's very, 
But the, the plane ride from out, the only thing that I think was from that ride was the nature boy. Boy, the Ric Flair, the Ric yeah, Flair thing. That was, that was startling. I, it's one of those things, like, the less I know about people I like, the better. Well, this <laughs> is a guy who used to in his promo say, hey, you're going to ride Space Mountain. And he's talking yeah. about his dick. <laughs> yeah, but it's like persona. Wrestling thing, you know, the persona, like, it shouldn't be who you actually are. Uh, Unfortunately, with Ric Flair, that's just what it is. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, and next, let's let's move on here because um, we got World War Three starting. Like, we are. <laughs> what are you talking about, Paul? So we is here's what's surprising to me, and I don't think we've ever hit our political viewpoints. Um, I think people will unfairly, you know, people who are, you know, right wing and listen to the show are going to mean they go, oh my God, he's a super leftist. And I actually think people on the far left are going to go, man, this guy's not far enough for me, which is ridiculous. But um, when did the GOP become Putin's bitch? <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's, there are, it's usually, it's mostly the far Right. Yes. Right. Right. Think, right. I think a lot of these people Putin may have stuff on. There's people on the right that I respect that are really just being very vocal. People I yes. never thought I would be agreeing with, like Liz Cheney and uh, absolutely right. Herzenberg and the Lincoln Project guys. The Lincoln Project but, guys have really stepped up. I yeah, really, because really like it's too. just like they're owning up. Like they helped create this kind of uh, freak show. Yes. And it's just like because you know we it's healthy to have. The varying political views and when one is like vomiting brain diarrhea all over and the other like trying to talk policy it doesn't work like we need more like george wills and shit on the right yeah it can actually articulate well their positions we're just like going down this fucking the far left is starting to do a, some of this too which is just like it makes me want to just live in a cabin with no TV or radio and just knock out from the world because it's, it's, it's insane. Well, that's why I said some of the far left are going to look at me and go, you're not, you know, and I'm going to go, are you, are you fucking, you're insane. But I'll be on with the squad is a major part of the problem too. I don't know. Well, yes. No, I mean, that's, you know, they're not, you're they're. I'm not going to vote for this legislation because it doesn't go far to the, like, yes. shit is like there's like no compromise at this point. And yeah. It just, that's the problem. Yeah. So yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going after all you fuckers, you Lauren Bulberts and your AOCs. Like you're fucking part of the problem here. <laughs> like, fuck. yeah, there's gotta be the, the age of compromise has to come back. But I think what I'm seeing is, you know, why I was saying the GOP is because a lot of the, you know, the rising stars that came about in the Trump era are like, those people are very much like brainwashing this whole Putin's not a bad guy thing. And I'm going, uh, like, I, I mean, I was at, I went and got food. I went and got food the other day and I, I like, I, I'm doing an event for work. And I just want to go eat some fucking food. So I go to this nice, quiet restaurant it, right when it opened. You know, no one's there. Um, I mean, I'm doing an event where I'm running and the, you know, people all you know, just one after the other. I'm talking to people, talking to people, talking to people. So I go and sit down and the, the guy 
it's just me in the restaurant and the and the guy who's either um, is working that day, who's an older guy. I'm wondering if he like co-owns it or just whatever. Starts fucking talking to me about what a genius Putin is, and I'm like, God damn it! Like, like I'm just trying to fucking eat, and you are gonna just unfucking invited start talking politics with me? Like the fuck, man! Let me just say, if you're on the side of the guy who murders journalists for uh, uh, being critical of him in their stories, uh, which Putin has infamously been doing for 20 years, Mm -hmm. uh, you're not on the right side of history. No, no. And again, this is also the guy that has been rigging the elections. The yeah, I mean, elections. It, their elections are a farce. It's all—it's the same. Their, Russia's elections are the same as Iraq's when Saddam was. Yes. You know, it's—it's it's predetermined, and it's just a—it's a—it's a, it's a basically just a show. Yep. Yep. And so, everybody yeah. knows it. Even the citizens know it. They know those elections aren't real. Right. So when you're on that side of that guy, and you're—you know—you're—you're—you're you're, you're rooting for him, and I—and I am going to say, I think it's because. With a lot of this incredibly far right, there is this nationalism. There's this, you know, whole thing where Putin has been going against the LGBTQ. And I think there's a lot of people that are like, we need to tie ourselves to that on this really far right side. And I think that's a terrible position. Let me also tell you, there's people on the far left that are pro-Putin too. Uh, Look up Lee Camp. Oh, He worked for uh, RT, which was Russian Russian television. television. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, he is very uh, spouts the ideals of far left, like you know, but he's also absolutely pro Putin. It's the most fucked up thing. I feel like I'm in a house. I feel like I'm in a weird fun house from hell. Right, right, right. It's like nothing makes sense anymore. Like Republicans are pro Russia. What the fuck is going on? Right. I'm I'm agreeing with Mitt Romney and Liz Cheney. Like, what the fuck happened in my life that I'm going? These are people I should never agree with ever. <laughs> yeah, no, like I never thought I, I never thought I'd see a day where I'd agree with a Cheney on anything. Cause no, twenty years ago for me, there was no, there was no family more wretched to in my eyes than the Cheney family and the right. Bush family, and now they're like they're the rational ones in the room. Like, what God, happened? Damn. And how did this happen? Right? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you a million percent. All right. Well, with that, buddy. Let's jump into the dead milkman, big lizard in my backyard, because, uh, you know, as I said, this is something that I think is very why I brought this all up is this is an album that is very satirical, is very left leaning. But I think if modern day liberals and far leftists heard this album, they would denounce it. <laughs> that would just be every punk album from the 80s. Paul, like this. <laughs> right. So let's let's dig in this. So Joe, what was your what was your first foray into Fourier into um the dead milkman big lizard in my backyard? This is the first time I've heard it. I've listened to the Beazel Bubba. Okay. So like this was the first time listening to this one and uh, you know, wasn't a huge fan. Oh <laughs> I guess. Um, okay. May, mostly because this is the problem with a lot of the er, early to mid 80s punk music. It's almost all sounds the same to me. And, yeah. Uh, they're wearing their influences on their sleeve. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, like we just talked about, but yeah, I'm hearing so many John Lydon impressions on this. Oh album God. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. That yeah. I got, I got really mad at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I, would I hate that. the sex pistols. I just hate well, the sex pistols. We, that, there are a few songs on here. I did it like, but those are the ones that obviously are going to stand out because they're different from all the others. And I will say um, that we used to, you know, in the punk scene, we used to joke, like when someone would come up, you'd be like, yeah, man, you're punk rock like the Sex Pistols. And people would be like, yeah. And we'd be like, no. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's like, I like the Dead Milkman. I just, this one was, I. it's like when you listen to like the first Replacements album, yeah, it sounds the same. If you listen to the, Oh, I'm just blanking, but it's just like a, it's just from that time where it's just they have. Well, you could do the first Floyd album, even it wasn't great. It wasn't. I mean, Piper's at the gates on there wasn't a lot of variation in the songs. No, no, but at least it was. You know, it it's was produced a lot. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, it's better produced, hundred uh, yeah. percent. But it wasn't. But a yeah, punk. like it was just a lot of the early punk. It's just you know, it's like. When I listen to early Vandals, I get the same thing. Like, uh, I just don't like this. Uh, early Black Flag. Even almost all of Black Flag, except for Damage. I'm just like, I hate this. Uh, it's just... I'm so glad you bought the Vandals, because I personally love the Vandals. Like that's I love the Vandals, too, but if you listen to pre- Peace Through Vandalism, it's... It's not it's great. Like this, it's terrible. <laughs> it's, yeah, compared to, like, God, um, Vandals Good, Hitler Bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, completely. And this is this is the, you know, this is just like we talked about Mark Lanigan. Um, this is the origin for yeah. the Dead Milkman. Yeah. A lot of times, origins are just not as great because I love stuff that the Milkman, like punk rock girl and stuff, like they did later on, where they're kind of like and Stuart. you know, yeah, they kind of embraced diff, like more ambitious musical ideas. It's just this one is just kind of fell flat a lot of a lot of the songs. Some of them I really enjoyed. Yeah. I love when they uh take the piss out of the doors. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I will say I I personally I love this album. Like I grew up with it. Yeah. Um so you know, this is I just mean, one of those things. Yeah, and I was gonna bring that up too, because this is kind of like when we did Revolting Cox. Uh, you know, I liked it more be- probably because I have that nice sheen of uh nostalgia with it yep where you probably have that too where you heard this at a certain time and a certain point in your life you're developing your music taste so it impacts you so you have that with this album where i heard this for the first time as a 40 year old man right right (laughs) i was like yeah i I get it (laughs) (laughs) you know like it's just like when you heard revolting cox was like oh yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and I can I could totally respect that position because that's that's a yeah that's a great analogy and it's very very true. So I'm gonna I mean the songs are very short, so I'm just gonna go through Tiny Town. I I, I think it's hilarious. I mean, yeah. you know, this is I mean it's I'm listening to it I, again as a driving downtown Minneapolis today, and I'm listening. I got my radio, you know, I, I got my windows down a little bit and. I realized, shit, I should not be playing this song loud, <laughs> even though it's making fun of, you know, a, a certain demographic. There's lyrics in it that if someone heard, they're going to be like, the fuck are you listening to? <laughs> yeah, I drove around and was listening to it today, too. But I live in Fargo where people don't give a shit about that stuff. Right, so right. I, I have a little more uh, shield when it comes to our non-PC choices. Right. <laughs> 
Like, yeah, you I mean, could, you're going to get canceled, Paul. Like, it's like I, I, Paul Boadib's going to be start trending on Twitter <laughs> very, very soon. Um, you know, nah, because nobody here cares. <laughs> no, 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 nobody listening gives a shit. Um, you know, I mean, you got lyrics. You know, this, my name is Blade Bob. I don't give a damn. I just got myself some white sheets straight from the Ku Klux Klan. I got myself a daughter, and she's a mongoloid because I married my sister, and our gene pool's been destroyed. Um, I mean, you. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know what they're singing about. Um, next is Beach Song. They're singing about Stearns County. <laughs> they're, singing about, they're singing about the Tri-County area. Um, you got Beach Song. Um, I, in, in being older and listening to this one, I don't think it's all that great. I mean, I do like it because it's you know, it definitely has that like that beach sound to it a little bit. But as a kid, you know, the, the line, my, my girlfriend, she lies on the beach like a barrier reef, just cracked me up. Like, you know, when you're 10 years old and you hear that, it's funny. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what you thought about that one. I did. My uh-huh. note said the bass was okay, but the guy sounds trying too hard to sound like John Lydon. As I, yeah. and I said before, I hate John Lydon. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. No, no. Next, you got Plum Dump. <laughs> Yeah, I, it was like kind of a rockabilly song, so yeah. I like that. Yep. Yeah, which is kind of, yeah. I wrote my notes. Kind of sounds like the Violent Femmes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Great, yeah. great call. Plus their later stuff is very. I think like they're them and the Femmes were kind of like on the same like wavelength musically. Yeah, and that's another band we got to get to at some point is the Femmes because I actually went and saw them live not too long ago. Fucking yeah. genius. Um, next is Swordfish. I love this song. <laughs> Yeah, it reminded me of a black, a dumb black flag song, but it was all right. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so dumb. It's, it's so dumb. I mean, I mean the fact that he doesn't even say Joni loves chat chachi, he calls him crotchy. Joni <laughs> loves crotchy. <laughs> um, Veterans of a Fucked Up World. This to me is a classic. Again, being 10 years old, secretly yeah. singing this song in my sister's room um, and feeling like, you know, oh, I'm 10 years old. I'm getting away with saying the word fuck. Um, now, now again, I love you have that memory. I'm listening to this as a 40 year old and I'm just like, wow, you guys are edgy. Like, it was maybe like every band at the Java joint, like, yeah, God, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yep. Absolutely. So there is that nostalgia to me. Next is Rossabilly, which I also think is a great song. Um, it's got that, you know, just I, I think it's uh, funny. Um, and I just like the kind of the southern twang they got going with it um, for a minute long song. Yeah, it was all right. Straight uh, it. Go ahead. It was like a novelty hick song. Type yeah, it's thing. a novelty hick song. That's exactly what it is. Um, <laughs> The next one, serrated, uh, serrated edge. Another okay, one. I, I love the Charles Nelson Riley references <laughs> in this. Yeah, I knew you would. I knew you would. I knew you would, and that's why I love it as well. <laughs> Charles Nelson Riley, he's our man. <laughs> he can't heal the sick with the touch of his hand. <laughs> uh, that was. Yes. So for, so for me, like this is when the album starts. Actually, it's weird because it's like it, we're going into like track. Eight, nine, and all that. Mm-hmm. Like this is where I was like, they're starting to do stuff that's kind of veers from yeah. <laughs> tracks that came before. But you know, at least the like this this middle part is kind of like where I was uh, more enjoying. In, enjoying it, and then it Peter it just flops out <laughs> at the end. So it's really weird how it's, it's yeah. There's definitely like 
shifts in the album. There really, really is. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> I love that. Ain't no good thing. Be no priest. Ain't going to be no boss. Just Charles Nelson Riley nailed to a cross. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. No, that was <laughs> great, great, great song. Um, then you got Lucky, um, which I enjoy. Um, I didn't like it. I even my notes I wrote at two minutes. It felt <laughs> it does that I will give. And it, because the lyrics, I will say they repeat. And this is a problem that I have with it. You got a two minute song. Don't repeat the lyrics. Um, title track, big lizard in my backyard. I, I like this one. <laughs> I like the imagery in it. <laughs> I know, right? Got him for a dollar 50. That's really neat. Yeah. That's fucking nifty. <laughs> I can't afford to feed him. And you see the way he shits. Um, Gorilla Girl, oh my god Okay, I like Gorilla Girl What did you think of Gorilla Girl? It was alright Okay, so there is a line in here that like When I was younger I was trying to write like a comedy book When I was like in my early teens And there was the thing where everyone, Whenever I date Gorilla Girl I whack her with a rake And there was a scene in, in the book Where I wrote down like her parents came and got her With rake in hand to, mac, to smack her with later <laughs> So yeah, um, then you got Filet of Soul, which is a weird song. Yeah, you skipped right over Bitch and Chimera. Oh, I did, I did. Oh, my God, which is the, <laughs> one of the only songs I like, Paul. Well, you and, skipped and, right over it. No, bitch and Chimera, which is like, th- which is the big hit off this album. Yeah. Like, well, this... actually, I like the first half, and then when it gets into the punk stuff, I just lost interest right away. So, like, the whole intro part, I love. Where they're shitting about the, the doors and talking about the car and all that. Like, I love that. And then then it was just like, bitch, come out, bitch. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, really? How'd you get a car? Oh, my folks drove up from the Bahamas. You're yeah. kidding. I must be. The Bahamas are islands. <laughs> love me two times. <laughs> love me two times, baby. Love me twice today. Love me two times, girl, because I got AIDS. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, no, this is like the big hit. Um, like, Punk Rock Girl is kind of known now as, as like the big hit. But this one was like the song that really um, got um, the Dead Milkman notice was Bitch and Camaro. As a matter of fact, um, I was out with my 19-year-old daughter. Um, and we were driving, I was taking her out to, to do dinner for her birthday or lunch for her birthday. And I'm listening to this album for the review. And she's like, you listen to bitch and Camaro. I'm like, are you, are you fucking kidding me right now? (laughs) (laughs) So she's like, I love this song. So yeah, I mean, this is one of the ones that is like their definitive song. Um, and it's probably the song why my sister bought the album was because it was playing on college radio a lot, um, which my sister listened to a lot of, uh, even at a young age. Um, so next is Filet of Soul, which is a weird song. Um, not my favorite. I, it's just kind of eh, in my opinion, like weird song about fish. Okay. The next few songs, I'm just like that, too. Like I said, this was like a lot of misses for me. But again, I hear it for the first time as a 40-year-old man. Right, just right. Like, well, Spit Sync is kind of a throwaway to me. Um, I mean, I like the how it's different from other things, um, but it is a little poignant. And I and because some of the lyrics in there definitely lean towards like going against um, some of the societal stuff. And you wouldn't think on it. But if you look at the lyrics and I'm not going to say the lyric here, but um, you'll you'll get it. 
Um, violent school. Now, boy, this in 1985 was a very different feel than what it has in 2022, Joe. Um, <laughs> you know, in 1985, that was kind of a trauma, you know, uh, apocalyptic um, you know, yeah. wasteland movie kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, you never really thought it would become a reality. And then come 1999, 2000. Uh, when we were in high school. When we were in high school. Shit got real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, that, those trauma movies, for a little while, were not as funny. <laughs> were not as funny. No, yeah, no. I, especially now, like, because we were, we were, like, patient zero with that shit. We were. I mean, we it were. happened It happened before, but that was, like, the first time, I think, like, it was, like, blown up, like, and then it's just kept happening. Yeah, well, you know. And it hasn't stopped. <laughs> what's really interesting to me is um, um, when we were in high school, I wore a trench coat. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, yeah, I did. Yes, I did. And you also carried around a gun all the time for some I, reason. <laughs> well, you know, again, violence rules. Um, so, um, yeah. Talking no. about Hitler and shit. It was a really weird time for you. It was bad timing for you, Paul. <laughs> it was a bad time to You're be. You're all like, Marilyn Manson, <laughs> doom. <laughs> Hitler. Uh, no. Hitler. <laughs> Look at my gun. Like, whoa, Paul. <laughs> You see what's uh, happening in Colorado. <laughs> so, oh. yeah, so when 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 Columbine happened, I can't tell you the number of people that came up to me and apologized. <laughs> like, wow, all of a sudden I became really popular and it was really weird. And like the people that knew me were like, that's fucking ridiculous. But, you know, those that didn't. Um, yeah, apparently people were really freaked out by the way I carried myself in high school. So go me. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, it was a weird time. I went to uh, Pace the following year. Yes. And yes, there was a kid there who wore a trench coat. But he would like he was still like reading guns and ammo at, <laughs> at the school. And I was just like very unsettling. The guy was like a little off. I don't know. He was like. Nobody talked to him, but I didn't want to talk to him because he's wearing a trench coat and reading guns and ammo and mumbling to himself. Like, I'm just going to, like, just not make an impression one way or another on this guy. No, no. You know, I mean, and that's, I mean, I wasn't that, I mean, first of all, I would never buy guns and ammo or or because you get on a list. I don't know if people know that or not, but you get on a, you were on a list. Um, no. Yeah. Well, um, yourself while reading it too. It didn't help. <laughs> I, I wonder what became of that guy. <laughs> um, so next song did not age well at all. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> but again, when I was blasting this while I was driving around Fargo, I didn't, nobody paid any mind to me, Paul. <laughs> yeah, this is a song that I definitely turned down. Uh, taking retards to the zoo. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah. It's it language has changed a lot. Uh, you know, like we use that word. I well, at least I did a lot in high school because I, I didn't think it was offensive. Right, right. We used it all the time in middle school and even in elementary school, middle school, yeah, high school. Yeah, yeah. 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 But like once, once it, like I learned like how um, hurtful that word is to mm -hmm. people. Yeah, I really reined that in, which really lowered my vocabulary when I 
rage drive around because I have the worst road rage. <laughs> and you. So, like, so, you know, uh, now I just go to my standard call on everybody cunts when I'm driving. Yeah, I do that all the time. You, fucking you know, cunt. it's just like, I know that's an offensive word and people hate it, but I got to have something to yell. <laughs> I just say, I'm, I just, I just say, I use it, I use it in the way the British use it. Yeah, uh, yeah same that's here. That's but also, fucking idiots and yeah. i mean because understand that it means something completely different over there kind of like fanny over here is not as bad as it is over in europe don't don't say fell on your fanny when you're in europe just don't <laughs> and if you don't know what i'm talking about you can look that up later uh next is junkie Junkie's a hilarious song to me <laughs> um uh you know oh, oh yeah the other thing i was gonna i'm gonna jump back to the song lucky and i gotta you know i do all these things like i, I write down notes but then i try to you know improv it because that's where i come from but going back to the song lucky that song actually did not age very well to me because there's people that we know um who died um of in, in car accidents um so i that song's not as like i i don't know i i just don't think lucky was a age well at all that's another song that didn't um but junkie yeah i mean i knew junkies <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i we've i've had friends that luckily made it through the other side of that and some mm-hmm. who unfortunately are still trapped in that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you know whatever and I've, I've actually had friends that died from that yeah. um it doesn't make me overly sensitive to it it's just it's a part of life yeah, uh, but Junkie, I still th- I think it's a funny song. I just there's just something to it, you know. Shoot up or shut up. Shoot up or shut up. <laughs> yeah, I wish somebody would have told that to Cobain. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad Mark Lachlan didn't. Um, Mark Lachlan. <laughs> um, so next is Bright Ring Pigeons, which is I love this song. Yeah, this is like really the only song I actually enjoyed. Enjoyed just because it felt like it was right out of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. It, right that's a yeah absolutely it does feel like something that they would do like in between um viewings. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> you know it has the politics but it also has like this weird fucking sci-fi element to it like, <laughs> i and the music i actually liked because it was different from everything else on the album yeah yeah no uh, <laughs> got got some um, lady in detroit got pissed at my brother so she sprayed it in his face <laughs> <laughs> Now, what could make her act that way? She's just a bright winged pigeon from outer space. Yeah, it's like, what? Yeah. Um, yeah. Dean's Dream, I really like this song. Um, I like the voice of the person singing it versus the lead singer. Um, and it, like, the, the lyrics are like, yeah, this guy really just wrote a song about what he dreamt about one night, which was him going to a theater and seeing people from his high school band, and he was on a cooking show, and next thing he knows, he's in a van with Steve McGarrett uh, from Hawaii Five O, and gets assaulted by some dudes. Like, I don't know, it had a different feel and had a different sound as well, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. So. Okay, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Um, laundromat song, another song that didn't age well. <laughs> oh no! <that's... laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but they use the R word a lot on this whole album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only, 
Not only that, but he sings about seeing a girl at the laundromat who looks about 16 or 17, and he's going to take her home. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, see, yeah. It's creepy. Yeah, yeah. And it's, not like, it's not like 13 by Big Star, where it's from the point of view of another 13-year-old. It's it's uh, the Scott Pilgrim <laughs> problem, Scott. where he's like 22 and hitting on a 16 Yeah, and I went, oh, no. Although I did like that. I'm going to give her my all of boar rocks. <laughs> um nutrition i like this song because i came from you know like lower middle class so um making fun of you know the the wealthy and things like that um like if they slowed it down and did different things it had been like a they might be giant song to me yeah yeah absolutely yeah absolutely i like that one (laughs) my life is easy my life ain't hard gonna spend all day in my fucking backyard (laughs) (laughs) um and then you have uh to jenna which yeah this is an interesting way to close an album isn't it it's totally different sounding from like the punk stuff they were doing yeah like if they would have leaned more into this kind of shit which i think you know they have eventually you know, do more yeah yeah they do later uh, this is uh you know it's interesting it's it, 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 but i think it's good uh, it's all right yeah, but, yeah, at least it was more interesting than some of the other things that was my problem with the album so i'll give it and like i said i always give credit when people like, try different things which i appreciate so yeah i'll give them credit for it it did it stick the landing for me not really but so oh. And so I looked and looked and looked because it's really it's instrumental everywhere. And they're saying stuff and it's, you know, there's a few things here and there, but I'm like, is this where the band Eve 20 got its name? Because uh, <laughs> there's this first Eve 20. And I'm like, that's where Eve 20 got its name. Um, yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's kind of got this, you know, do you sell punk rock shirts? We do. I didn't know. Do you sell punk rock shirts? We do. I didn't know. <laughs> like repeating that. And also, I didn't know. Um, so yeah, there, Walk that kick. Walk <laughs> that kick. Yeah. So there's, there's just little funny little things in there. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, I get like, again, I, I, this is a album that, um, um, at listening to the first time at 40, like you said, like when I listened to the, to the revolting cocks, you know, and I was like, Oh man, okay. I'm, I'm 40 listening to this. Yeah. I can see where you're going to go. There isn't much here. Um, so yeah. Um, that's kind of it. Do you have anything else to say about the, about them or anything or about, about the album or anything? No, it was, you know, it, 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 you know, I guess, yeah. The, the nostalgia ultimately is going to be a issue when we start picking song albums that were like from our formative years, mm-hmm. especially if the other was not listening to it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that does have its moments for me, but it's just like overall, I just, uh, it was just the formula, just, you know, the John Lydon impressions is, well, knowing because they're knowing that they become a better band, at least I was happy about that because I know because I like their later stuff. Mm-hmm. This was just like, yeah, I just it didn't do much for me. Like, no, the Reagan politics, like I I get it, but like I was fucking born in eighty one, so I was completely unaware of Reagan politics until I was like in my twenties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I'll talk a little bit about the band. So, like, you know, they started in 1979. And, like, I 19- wanted to say, are they from, are they a Midwest band? Um, they, no. Um, they are Pennsylvania. Like Midwest album. Nope, Pennsylvania, my friend. Oh, East Coast. Oh. The East Coast. East Coast. Yep. Um, so, yeah, they started in 1979. Um, and they were just kind of, they were a little bit ahead of their time. They were doing cassettes and doing stuff, you know, out of their home. And they, um, the the name Dead Milkman came from uh, the the novel Song of Solomon. Um, and this is something that, uh, that, um, Gennaro, uh, had in his head, like in high school, like created this whole thing around this imaginary band called the dead milkman. And then they started to become a big, you know, big thing. Um, they released, you know, bitch and Camaro got a lot of college play and kind of got them there in, in a lot of places. Um, then they did eat your parsley, um, or your paisley, excuse me. Um, with the song, The Thing That Only Eats Hippies, which also became another big song of theirs. So then we got Beelzebubba, which had Punk Rock Girl, which is like... They're big, yeah. They're big hit. I mean, that got them on MTV. Yeah, video and shit. Yep, yep. Good yeah. song. Like, I, I guess, you know, I, it wasn't aired en- enough for me to get burned out on it. Like, I'm like, a lot of MTV video, so I still enjoy that song. Yes. Um, then, in, then after that, just like a lot of other bands, um, you know, they had a, they had an album called Metaphysical Graffiti, which got a lot of hits because of you know got on uh, on a lot of lists because of it being the follow up to Beelzebubba, but it didn't have any hits or anything of like that. So that kind of started to hurt the band. Then they switched labels and they came out with. Um, um, not Richard, but Dick, and didn't do very well. Um, soul Rotation, then Not Richard, but Dick, and they kind of broke up, and they took like a 13-year hiatus. Um, and then back in 2008, they kind of got back together and, you know, play some of the, do kind of live shows, you know, kind of playing off of what they do. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, you know, and what's funny is they bring up FOD in um, in one of their songs, and which is a hardcore punk band um, flag of democracy. And they actually do stuff with them now. Even they, they gave them a shout out in their album and they actually do stuff with them now. So, yeah, that's kind of you know what what the Dead Milkmen are. I, I think, you know, the best way I could really describe it to me is <clears throat> or I think to the audience is it's a less successful punk rock version of Ween. Yeah, I was uh, going to say uh, Violent Femmes. <laughs> like. Y- Yes. A lot of the, the lyrics and vocals are, uh, you know, s- small town boredom and fucking sick of hicks and, uh, you know, conservative politics, you know, but it's like it, it set to more punk than what the <coughs> we're doing. Yes, but I think that the Violent Femmes try to take themselves more seriously um, than um, uh the Dead Milkman ever did. The Milkman always well, yeah, did come. I dig the black chicks. <laughs> well, yes, I know. I, I, Country I, death song. Country death song. Um, yeah, I mean, there is some, but American they had music. American music, which is a great song, by the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, fucking yeah, I know. Give it up or add it up. Um, yeah, yes, add it up. I love add it up. 
Uh, but they, Kiss Off is my favorite. Kiss Off is a great song. Um, Blister in the Sun, yeah. um, which I've done for karaoke numerous times. Um, yeah, they there is there, but they also have their serious songs in there. Like there was the song off the Crow album that they did. Um, you know, things like that. You never got that from the Dead Milkman. You never got like a serious song from the Dead Milkman. Um, so yeah, I, I guess Joe, would you recommend the album? Uh, no, okay. I would not. Uh, they go on to do better things, people. But <laughs> uh, if I were, you know, I wouldn't recommend it. But I would say if you're gonna grab some songs off this album, Right Wing Pigeons and uh, Bitch and Camaro. Like you can probably throw those on a list and you can probably forget about the rest of the album, in my opinion. So I'm actually going to agree with you um, on this. What? Uh, I know this Damn is album that, no, Damn this it. this is an album that I very much enjoy, but to sit there, like again, and I saw it when I was sitting with my daughter um in the car and I was listening to it, like Bitch and Camaro, she really got into, but none of the other songs she really got into. She's like, okay, whatever, you know, blah blah blah. And I realized that, you know, for me, it was the nostalgia. It definitely is. Like, I can take the nostalgia glasses off and look at this and go, outside of Bitch and Camaro, outside of Right Ring Pigeons, outside of Dean's Dream, um, I do like Tujena. But, you know, there's the juvenile humor in here that doesn't translate well to millennial or um, Gen Z humor. Um, and again, if you didn't listen to it before and like a 40 year old person, you're not really gonna, you're not gonna like this. Um, and it, the, the, the satire of it doesn't fit modern social norms either. So now if you're into it, you're probably the people that it's making fun of. Yeah. That's kind of like, again, that's like what I went through with the revolting cocks, you know, like outside of beer, steers and queers. The rest of the album was kind of like, yeah, I could see why people <laughs> wouldn't ever want to listen to this. Like, right. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to take off those rose tinted glasses and be like, oh, maybe the stuff I liked wasn't exact. <laughs> maybe it was a lot cooler when I was 15 and growing up in uh, a very conservative central Minnesota town where this was shocking and scared people. Now it's. Now people I don't like are listening to it for the wrong reasons. Right. You know, there was a um, there was a guy that hung out the job joint that I absolutely hate. And I, I still hate him now. And the thing is, is that I never had any real interaction with this dude. Like, I shouldn't hate the person that, like, I never really had any problems with. I didn't like the way he looked. He just had that face. I just wanted a fucking hit. But he also was a punk that ran around with a Confederate flag. On his truck. So here we got this 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 punk guy with a Confederate flag on his truck and the Confederate flag pinned all over his denim jacket. And that's a very confusing di- <laughs> dynamic, but I guess Sid Vicious wore the swastika shirt, so have what you have on it, right? So yeah, I mean, I kind of picture him being into this now and like eh. if I were to make a recommendation, it we already talked about it, it would be Bialzababa. Um, that's a, that's a solid album. It's a solid album. It's not only that is like the lyrics are a lot more clever. I would say they've grown by this. They've grown. And the musicianship's a lot 
I mean, this is a Genesis album. Like when we talk about Lanigan and stuff, or mm-hmm. you, it's interesting seeing the DNA of what will become later. Yes, it doesn't necessarily make a good album. No, and you know, and again, after Bialzebubba, which was like their height, they never really got there again. And again, there's you know, in between each one, you know, with with Big Lizards in My Backyard, with Eat Your Paisley, um, um. There are a track or two, like beach, like out the next album, Beach Party Vietnam, KKK Suck Two, um, that are you know, I think worth getting. Um, same thing off of um, uh, Bucky Fellini. Um, there's songs on there to grab off that, but really, it's for whatever happened. Bialzebubba was like lightning in a bottle. Yeah, and they never got to it again it's like that's yeah. how I, that's how i feel with flood with they might be giants like there's stuff i like a lot that they did before and after but as a solid whole album like that was lightning in a bottle well shit oh, man okay <laughs> that, Look, that just, was gonna be my next album joe <laughs> well you already got my recommendation i love flood so <laughs> Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Now I gotta pick something different. Fuck. <laughs> you can still do flood. I'll listen to flood. All right. All right. All right. So well that's not giving away. It's not your pick. It's my pick. Next. It is your pick next. It is your pick next, Joe. What are we well first let's let's get to the plugs, Joe. What's going on with the Joe Down? Uh we're gonna be reviewing uh the movie Chips based on the old 70s TV show, California Highway Patrol. Uh huh. Yes, I've I've seen it already because I I was drunk one night and was on HBO, and it was an unpleasant experience. And now I have to relive it. Oh no! I it's a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie. Uh, Okay, all right. And then what do you guys got going after Chips? Do you know? Uh oh yeah, I told Brown this last night because just because I wanted a reason to watch it. We're gonna watch uh, Spider Man No Way Home. Oh, nice. I haven't seen that yet. Is that on is that on Disney Plus yet? No, it's since Sony owns Spider-Man, it's never gonna be on Disney Plus. Oh, is that is oh, so we probably won't get it on a streaming service. Uh, uh whatever. If Sony has a licensing thing with some, but uh, I haven't seen any of those Spider-Man movies available. No, I haven't I, I, I own Homecoming. Okay. I did I did I didn't like the second one, so yeah, no, the, the the I like the Spider-Man. I like the new Spider-Man. So yeah, I do want to see that one because I know I also really enjoy um Doctor Strange. I just didn't go to the theater for it and um and I was just gonna watch it with the kids and everything, so now I gotta figure out a way to watch it. Okay. So digitally now you can like buy it. It's like twenty bucks or something. Like I'm still on the fence about pull I guess I'll have to pull the trigger unless I can find somebody I can fucking borrow it from or something i don't know yeah yeah yeah. nobody's media anymore so that kind of fucks me over right right (laughs) why do i want to buy things (laughs) no no it's so funny because i brought up like what's why i have the ps5 it has the blu-ray in it and people are like you still buy blu-ray i'm like fuck you (laughs) i buy 4ks man like it does look (laughs) better off the disc though so so um all right joe so what are we doing next week buddy uh, I decided to pick an album that kind of flew under the ra- my radar, at least, because it was released in January of 2020, so we were just uh, 
it came out and then the world went into pandemic and I completely forgot about it. Ooh, okay. Uh, have you heard of the band The Black Lips? No, I have not. Well, there's a band called The Black Lips and they play like a weird indie rock band. They, a lot of it's kind of like, it, it's, it's just weird, but they decided to put out a country albums <laughs> with a title, which is, with a title, was apropos for uh, the pandemic that would happen just two months later. Sing in a World That's Falling Apart is the name of the album. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. How, how prolific. How prolific. Yeah. So I want to listen to that because I like the Black Lips. Uh, but they did a country album. And I'm very interested in seeing how this goes. All right. I'll be interested to see how this goes. Um, so we're going to do the Black Lips. We got what's this here? We got songs like Hooker John, Chainsaw, Holding Me, Holding You. <laughs> All yeah. right. All right. And it looks like it's a nice short album too, so I'm I can get behind that. Yeah. So, oh yeah. 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 yeah the Black Lips. The Black Lips. <laughs> I right. really like this band. Like, I'm just interested in. Uh, they did a country album. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. Well, it's kind of like, like when Ween did a country yeah, album. Yeah, I was going to say Ween did a country album. I was everyone was like the fuck. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see how this one goes. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, oh, and last thing, since we're on here, so I wanted to bring this up because there was some debate on on Facebook, um, and I wanted to um, bring this up to you. Debate? Uh, yeah, I got it. It wasn't it wasn't much of a debate um, on Facebook, mind you, but it was something that I thought was interestingly to bring up, and I'll tell you what my point of view is, um, and it may not be popular. So one second here. Um, so the post was about Rolling Stone readers picked the best lead singers of all time. Oh, God, that was <clears throat> Robert Plant, Freddie Mercury, Bono, Mick Jagger, Jim Morrison, Robert Daltrey, Eddie Vedder, John Lennon, Chris Cornell, Kurt Cobain. All men. All men. And someone brought this up. Tina Turner, Ann Wilson, Gladys Knight, Ann Lennox could wipe the floor vocally with at least five of these guys just saying. And... <laughs> My point of view with it was, I agree, but they're saying a lead singer, which implies fronting a band. So I was like, you know, she brought up like Hart and um, Blondie. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Hart and Blondie could totally agree with. But like uh, Tina Turner, more solo. Gladys Knight, more solo. Uh, Ann Lennox was part of a duo, really, and was more famous solo. But yeah, I mean, there's... Like Kirk Cobain, should, like Kirk Cobain should not be on that list. No. John Lennon should not be on that list nope. because he didn't front the Beatles. He wasn't the lead singer. Um, and I like, get stretching it if you're going to use Plastic Ono Band, in my opinion, because that's not even really a band. That's not a band. That's solo. Again, that's. I also said this is why I wouldn't consider Ronnie James Dio or Ozzy available, like for this list, because well, yes, they both were in Rainbow. They both were in Black Sabbath. They got their real hits from their solo project right it's like it's just them yeah um so you know uh, yeah but it is her whole point was there's a lot of women that should be included on this list and i was like yes you're right but you know she's like i just i want but you know she's like I, there, there needs to be more diversity and i'm like i get that but not to have diversity for diversity's sake like 
there should be a reason behind it. Like, you know, there were some people like, well, what about Stevie Nicks? She was the lead singer for Fleetwood Mac. No, she wasn't. <laughs> she was one of the singers, yeah. She was one of the singers. Again, just the same reason why John Lennon. Well, what about Tina Turner and Ike Turner? They were a duo, and really, it was always Tina doing the singing. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I could see Janis Joplin since she fronted Big Brother. Big Holding yep. So she would definitely be on that list. Uh, Grace yep. Slick. Grace Slick. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's yeah, other I mean, like, there's a better arguments to be made. For, uh, what's her name from Sleater Kenny? I would probably put because I like her vocals. I uh, love her vocals. Yeah, Blondie, Debbie Harry. Yeah, put her on there. I love her vocals yep. too. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, Robert and, Plant is not the greatest vocalist of all time. No, if people want to remember. Go back to our uh, live <laughs> <laughs> review. Yeah. No, no, no. And, and this is the thing, like, you know, and I think Blondie's a great choice because Blondie put out, people don't, I think, realize Blondie put out 11 albums. Yeah. 11 albums. Yeah, so they're solid, man. They're solid. So, yes, Blondie, 100% completely agree with it. But I wanted to see a little bit more, like, my point being why I was pushing was I think you could come up with better examples than some of these people because they don't really fit into the lead singer criteria. And, you know, I, I mean, again, there's some, like, I also look at longevity. Like, I love Chris Cornell's voice. I think the guy's a phenomenal singer. But I also really like Karen Carpenter's voice, and I wouldn't put her on that list. Yeah. You know? You should have your personal list and then the historical list. Because my personal lists are always going to be wildly different than what I put in it would be for historical. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Right. But yeah. although on both of my lists, number one best frontman or singer of a band is Freddie Mercury. Right? You just don't get better than that. In my you, you don't. Freddie Mercury had. Like, he mean, was the whole package with the showmanship and fuck yeah. And, and he was opera trained. I mean, he was the guy had a, a range that was unbelievable. And he was you know, classically opera trained and yet translated that to rock. And was compelling. Yeah, absolutely. Like, again, Live Aid would not be as amazing as it was had it not been for Freddie Mercury's performance during it. Um, well, or would you would you consider uh, Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins off that list, too, since they were both more successful solo? You know, I I, I would, actually. I, I, I would say, yeah, I wouldn't yeah, say. Me, too. Yeah, because again, they were more successful solo. Again, you, a lot of people, okay, uh, do I like Peter Gabriel Genesis era? Yeah, I do. But Peter Gabriel was more successful outside more of it. Successful. Way more successful. <laughs> to the point I think a lot of, there's a lot of people out there have no idea he was in Genesis. I At this day and age, I think there's a lot of people that have I think, no I think most clue. people with this. When they think of Genesis, they think Phil Collins. They think Phil Collins. And now Phil Collins, yeah, you know, that's uh, – there's a difficult one there because Phil Collins – I mean, the difference between Phil Collins' Genesis and Phil Collins' solo, there's not a lot of difference there. Like, yeah, that's why he should be on the list. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's you know, because – I, you listen to a Phil Collins song and you you could make that a game show. Is it Phil Collins or is it Genesis? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> make a game show out of it because no one's going to get it. I mean, you got a 50-50 shot every time. Like, I think that was Phil Collins solo. Wrong. That was with Genesis. Ah, shit. <laughs> you know, or 
like David Lee Roth. No. <laughs> Sammy Hagar. No. And again, Sammy Hagar got more famous as solo Sammy Hagar than he ever did with Van Halen. So. He was already a big name when he joined. So. Yep. Yep. And again, Dio was already a kind of a big deal before Black Sabbath, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do agree that, yes, there's, there, you know, do you know what band I wished? Like when I saw that list and bring up to it, I'm like diversity. I wished a band called death could have been on that list. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> because I wish their album had been put out when they did it. I still think that's the biggest tragedy, Joe. Yeah. That's one of those. Uh, holy fuck. <laughs> it would have changed the world. It would have yeah. changed the world. We wouldn't be in the darkest timeline right now. If that album had came out when it did. I, I think. agree. This is the darkest. <laughs> we are in the darkest, dumbest fucking timeline. All right, Joe, I'm pretty sure I alienated our entire audience. So, yeah, well, <laughs> do you want to take yeah, us I out? Fans with the right wingers. So, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to take us out, buddy? No. This has been Rate That Album with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming. Thank you for listening.